It's going to be a frigid one at Arrowhead Stadium on Christmas Eve as the Seahawks battle the Chiefs. Which matchups are going to matter most as the Seahawks look to get back in the win column on the road? Rob Rang and I are going to be breaking it all down on Matchup Wednesday on Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for Matchup Wednesday, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Hope all of our listeners are staying warm because it feels like everywhere in the United States right now is getting below freezing temperatures and snow. Even Seattle getting nailed with a snowstorm yesterday. There are parts of the Midwest that are supposed to be below negative 30 wind chill, including in Colorado in the next two days. So I hope you're staying warm inside and getting to enjoy some Seahawks chatter here on our latest episode. We're going to be diving into all the key matchups as we do each and every Wednesday as the Seahawks get ready to battle the Chiefs at Arrowhead Stadium in Week 16. This episode is brought to you by Alderman Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM and managing your own football franchise, this game is definitely for you. To download the game, just visit alderman-gm.com or look it up in the App Store. Our listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked On. That's all caps in the game. Now for your lead story here on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks all across the United States. It feels like everybody is getting snow. I wouldn't be surprised if Phoenix ends up getting snow in the next couple of days with the way the forecast is looking in the entire country. So, of course, the Seahawks are going to be traveling to Arrowhead Stadium to take on the Chiefs, and they are expected to deal with frigid temperatures on Christmas Eve. And historically, Rob, that is not a good sign for the Seattle Seahawks, and it hasn't mattered who's been on the sideline as the head coach either historically they have not won very many games below 25 degrees they don't play very many games at that temperature in Seattle either last year they had one game they played against the Bears and they lost that one so it's been tough sledding when they've had to play in cold conditions and or snow really throughout the 40 plus years of their franchise history yeah if you go back all that way then the Seahawks have played a total of 14 games under uh, when the temperature was 25 degrees or below and of those 14 games Seattle only has three wins Corbin so yeah this has been a you know a franchise long issue um it's a particularly troubling of course because the fact that seattle does exist in an area which obviously gets a great deal of nasty weather this time of year and you want to be playing deep into the postseason um but uh there hasn't been a lot of games at home as you said that have been nearly this close or nearly this cold excuse me um but i i will say this if there is a bit of silver lining from my perspective it is that the quarterback who is now going to be handling the ball for seattle of course, does not have any of those uh, previous losses on his record. In fact, he was very effective cold weather quarterback at West Virginia in college. Um, and then he was selected by the New York Jets, of course, in the second round. And obviously a cold weather area there as well. He was actually wound up going four and two in college, didn't throw a single interception, had 12 touchdowns. So I do feel better about the fact that it's Geno Smith, the quarterback position. Maybe he'll be able to help Seattle right the wrongs when it comes to cold weather games. 
Yeah, Russell Wilson had a lot of trouble in cold weather games. And I guess my silver lining to this, they're one and four under Pete Carroll with the only win being that very memorable ice bowl part two that happened in Minnesota in the wildcard round in 2016. The other four losses, three of them have been within one score. They've been very competitive. They actually lost to the Chiefs in 2014 and it was below 25 degrees. And that was before Patrick Mahomes arrived. Alex Smith was quarterbacking the Chiefs at that time but there was still a pretty darn good football team they made the playoffs that year and the Seahawks fell behind early they made a valiant comeback and almost won that game so they played well in a number of those games they played really well for three quarters against the Bears last year and then we saw that implosion at the end of the game by the offense and defense and special teams quite frankly every phase fell apart and unraveled in that fourth quarter allowing the Bears to steal that game but they've historically been pretty competitive in these games. They just haven't found a way to win very many of them. In the NFL, there is no such thing as a moral victory. But I do like that you point out Geno Smith's background because it isn't like this is a player. It, the funny thing is he's coming from Florida. That's where he grew up. And obviously, he didn't have to deal with snow down there. But at the college level, he did play in a lot of cold weather games at West Virginia, playing in the Big East most of his college career. He played in a lot of cold weather venues. And so he is familiar with that. And that gives him an edge in this game because I can speak from experience. I never played quarterback in a football game where it was this cold. I never played quarterback after eighth grade, but I did play in a cold weather state in Indiana. And I've spoke to a number of players on the Seahawks over the years about this as well. And it's crazy because as Pete Carroll was pointing out, you know, both teams got to deal with it. There's not an advantage for either team. They're both going to be freezing, but it really does change the way that you can play the game a lot of the time. And teams that want to chuck it 40 to 50 times in a game, it's very difficult to do it in this weather, especially if you have 10 to 15 plus mile an hour winds like they're calling for on Saturday in Kansas City too. It's really hard to throw the football. Quarterbacks have a hard time gripping it when it's that cold. And then on the other end of the receivers, I still can't believe that one-handed catch that Doug Baldwin made in that playoff game against the Vikings a few years back. <laughs> because typically, even with two hands, catching a football in freezing cold weather is like trying to catch a large boulder thrown at you. It hurts, and it hurts your fingers. It's really difficult to hold on to the football so normally you've got to run the ball a lot and you've got to rely on old school football to win these games. And by the way, as a tackler, it's not fun tackling somebody when it's that cold either. It's really not a fun experience for everybody that's involved. It's, it's a difficult environment nonetheless. Well, I, I think that's all true. Um, at the same time, you know, we had a, uh, you know, one of our, our many, listeners and thank you again for all of you um but one of the many listeners who have posed some interesting questions for us and they asked about kind of like one of those christmas traditions in the rang household back when i was just a wee lad uh you know we we used to play football games on on, on christmas break you know when you were off from school and all that kind of stuff and yeah. and that is one of the things that i do enjoy is just how much fun it could be now again this isn't really super cold uh, type of conditions out here. But I think that there is some joy um, with playing in the cold. I think that this kind of brings back to just the purity of the sport. Um, and then I think that there is awful lot of just prestige in the fact that Seattle is going to be playing on, set, on, on Saturday. They're going to have one of those Christmas Eve games. That's going to be fun too. I think that it's going to just kind of create for a really exciting environment. Um, and the one thing I would disagree with Pete Carroll, I rarely do that, but I will in this case, is that I do think that there is an advantage for Seattle in this game with it being as cold as it is for a lot of the same reasons that you just 
mentioned, Corbin, just the fact that it's kind of go back, goes back to a little bit more to a defensive minded football game, um, ground and pound kind of a, a, a expectation on offense rather than throwing the ball all over the yard. And obviously Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes, that's a terrific quarterback. Um, but I also think that it just it does make the game a little bit slower and simpler. You don't want to get too cute. And considering the fact that I think the Kansas City has a significant talent edge in this game, then I think that that just kind of narrows that gap a little bit more and obviously aids Seattle in the process. And finally, I think another way that you can improve your chances of winning a cold weather game is to bring some players who do have that cold weather experience. We talked about with Geno Smith earlier same thing here Seattle did make a move today um deciding to release the running back Tony Jones Jr. and bring in Davion Nixon off a defensive tackle excuse me previously who did have his college ball at Iowa where it gets pretty darn cold as well um and so I just like the fact that Seattle did in fact address the defensive lines we've kind of talked about the last few days to try to slow down Patrick Mahomes in that Kansas City running game yeah I do think that that addition today is an interesting one from that perspective I hadn't even thought about it with him playing in Iowa in the rugged Big Ten he has played in a lot of cold football games and who knows if he's going to be able to play on Saturday but that is a position that you can slide guys in fairly quickly if he gets a couple of practices under his belt so we'll see I'd be somewhat surprised if he plays against the Chiefs but if he does he is a player that should be acclimated to those conditions. He's played in a lot of cold weather football games at a high level, and maybe he can get his career turned around playing in Seattle. The forecast for Saturday, just at this point, we obviously know that these things change day to day, but right now the forecast has a high of 16 degrees, but on the field the wind chill is supposed to be below negative 10, which would actually make this the second coldest game in franchise history, just barely behind that playoff game in Minnesota. The actual temperature in that game was negative six. I was in the stands for that game. My beard still remembers that game very well. So this would be a historically cold game for the Seahawks. And I guess if there's a good omen there, that coldest game was one of the three that they actually have won. So maybe, just maybe, if it's below zero wind chill, that'll give the Seahawks an advantage in this contest and a chance to get their eighth victory via upset in Kansas City. Up next, it's Matchup Wednesday. We're going to be diving into all the key matchups, starting with the Seahawks on offense against the Chiefs on defense. We'll get to those here in a moment on our Matchup Wednesday edition of Locked On Seahawks. I'm really geeked out about our new sponsor and partner for today's episode, the mobile game Ultimate Football GM. If you've ever dreamed of becoming an NFL GM like John Schneider and managing your own football franchise, your dream can now come true, and this game is definitely for you. Manage every strategic aspect of your team, play through the season, and lead your team to glory. You're going to be responsible for everything from hiring the right coaches and coordinators, trading players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, and all the ups and downs of a season. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Football GM is completely free, and it's playable offline, so you can play on the go as you want and when you want to. I'm currently the general manager of the Honolulu Sharks, and I'm working on a long-term rebuild. I took over a team with a bunch of old guys. I'm hoping to quickly rise back to contention and beat all the other locked-on hosts in our virtual league. It's a blast, and our listeners should join in on the fun in their own league. Locked-on Seahawk listeners can get a 100% free boost to their franchise using the promo code locked on. That's all caps in the game store. Again, that's locked on in all caps. So make sure to check it out today. To download the game, just visit ultimate-gm.com or look it up on the app store. That's ultimate-gm.com. Ultimate Football GM, start your dynasty 
today. This episode is also brought to you by Audible. Audible is releasing a slate of new football podcasts we're sure you're going to love. That's why you'll be able to find an episode from the league available as a bonus episode on Locked on NFL, narrated by Super Bowl champion and legendary smack talker Richard Sherman, as well as sports broadcaster and rising star Taylor Rooks. The league is an eight-part docuseries about the most bizarre, inspirational, and unlikely stories connected to America's favorite sport, pro football. You won't want to miss these untold stories spanning from the 1940s to the present. Our bonus episode is called The We of the Cowboy and is the incredible story of how the 1977 Dallas Cowboys brought in Bruce Lee's protege to teach their defense martial arts, ushering in a new approach to the way the league is trained. Each story offers equal parts history, entertainment, and social commentary. So head over to Locked Up NFL for a bonus episode of the league or catch the full series wherever you get your podcast. It's available now. Audible. Get in the game. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on the Locked On Seahawks podcast. I'm your host, Corbin Smith, joined as always by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. A special thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And for your second listen, don't forget to check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast from the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports. Go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, it's available on the YouTube app, Odyssey app, and wherever. You get your podcast. All right, Rob, whew, we got this really frigid matchup at Arrowhead Stadium coming up on Saturday, Christmas Eve. It's time to dive into the matchups. The Chiefs have already locked up the AFC West division, their sixth straight division title, but they've still got a lot to play for. They're only a game out of the first seed in the AFC with three games left to play. They're trailing the Buffalo Bills right now, still holding out hope they can get that lone buy in the conference. And they got a lot to play for. The Seahawks offensively will be looking to rebound from a pretty tough game against a stingy 49ers defense. The Chiefs defense is not bad, but it is not the 49ers defense overall. Going into this game, though, there is one aspect of this Chiefs defense that's very 49ers-like, and that is maybe the biggest worry for Geno Smith and company heading into this game. Yeah, and that is that defensive line starting off with Chris Jones. I mean, just an absolute monster in the middle. Um, you know, 11 sacks, as those of you who are watching on YouTube can see here. Um, we think that he primarily is going to be going up against Damian Lewis, um, Seattle's left guard. I think that that would be a really fun matchup. Lewis, in my opinion, has been Seattle's steadiest offensive lineman this season. But at the same time, he is a shorter, more compact, powerful man. And Chris Long, Chris Jones with those long arms, as well as his quickness, I really think that that is going to be something that should be really fun to watch just from you know an evaluation standpoint, watching two of the NFL's best just going head to head. But the fact that the Chiefs have so many other pass rushers, of course, Frank Clark, uh, the, the rookie George Karloftis, Carlos Dunlap, um, they've got a they got a really talented defensive line. And so because of that, I think that that's where we have to start the conversation, Corbin, is can the Seahawks protect Geno Smith long enough to keep this a football game? Yeah, and can they block long enough to open up some running lanes? Because if the weather is going to be as forecasted, as I mentioned, it's tougher to throw the football when it's ice cold like that. It's tougher to catch the football. And guys just play slower. So the run game is going to be the natural fallback for both teams. You got to have your offensive line blowing people up. They got to be wanting to fly off the ball and get after it as blockers. And this is not going to be a fun game from that perspective when you consider the talent the Chiefs have. I will say this, though, 
that defensive line is not necessarily loaded with stalwart run defenders. Even Chris Jones in his career has been somewhat up and down player against the run, but as a pass rusher, he is an absolute monster. I would say behind Aaron Donald that he is the second best defensive tackle in the NFL right now. The ability to get after the quarterback, he's already got 11 sacks. And if he doesn't, he'll get his big paws up there and knock the ball down. Four pass deflections already this season. Just an absolute terror in the inside. And they'll move him all over the place. I would not be shocked if they have him across from former teammate Austin Blythe some in this game and try to take advantage of Seattle's center issues as well. The Chiefs are well coached. I look for them to take advantage of that. And then on the outside, as you mentioned, with Frank Clark, Carlos Dunlap, George Karloftis, they've got a number of guys that they can throw at Seattle's rookie tackles that can get after the quarterback. Seattle knows a couple of them very well. Maybe that works to their advantage that Pete Carroll and company have coached Frank Clark and Carlos Dunlap, but those guys know the coaching staff as well. And so I do think that this is going to be the key matchup in this game for the Seahawks on offense. And if the offensive line is able to hold up at the point of attack and give Geno Smith some time to throw, even without Tyler Lockett playing in this football game, I think the Seahawks can have some advantages on the outside, in particular with DK Metcalf. Mike Williams earlier this year for the Chargers had a monster game against the Chiefs secondary. And this is not being offensive to Mike Williams. I think he's a good receiver, but DK Metcalf, is more explosive and is much more productive on a week-to-week basis. He is a better overall receiver that offers that size and 4-3 speed. So for a player like Trent McDuffie, the rookie out of Washington, who's a good player, but he's not a big corner necessarily. Legere Sneed's another one, a good player, but he is a tiny corner. He's on the small end of the spectrum. Going up against a six foot three, 230-pound DK Metcalf could be really problematic. And I think Marquise Goodwin's speed is going to be potentially a problem in a game like this, especially if it's cold weather. Those guys that have elite speed can still move really well in these conditions. So I actually think Seattle could have some advantages going against this Chiefs secondary. Again, Geno Smith's got to have time to get the football to him. But if he does, this is a defense that has been prone to give up some big plays in the passing game, especially their receiver. Exactly. And that's one of the reasons why I would agree with you that this is a a big time uh, matchup that we need to kind of be focusing in on and kind of going back to what you said there. It kind of sounds illogical for a moment when you say that the the real speedsters have an advantage when it's cold. But as you probably know from, again, playing the cold yourself, I certainly remember this as well. The guys who do have speed know where they're going it's trying to redirect trying to change direction that's where you see a lot of guys slip and fall and of course those are the players who normally are trying to cover speed receivers so i i think that um you know if, if seattle's going to win this football game then obviously they're going to have to score some points i think they're going to potentially have to score a lot of points to keep up with patrick mahomes and kansas city so i do think that that is very likely going to lead to some big play opportunities over the top where seattle just basically feels desperate frankly and has to take advantage DK Metcalf's size and speed, as well as yeah. Marquise Goodwin's speed. And I'm intrigued by what we might see from Laquan 12, 12, excuse me, Treadwell, as well as Derek Young, just because they also have that size to potentially take advantage of a, frankly, undersized Kansas City secondary. So, again, I, I think that that is definitely a matchup that, that we need to be looking at. Uh, but uh, to me, when you mentioned before about how the Seattle is very likely trying to focus on the running game, I think that's the most obvious solution to their problems. We know that's what Pete Carroll wants to do. And as I mentioned before with Geno Smith and how he has had some of his 
his most impressive performances in cold weather. Anybody who remembers Ken Walker III back in Michigan State a year ago, they'll remember some of the spectacular performances that he had as well in cold weather situations. I mean, it's hard to imagine that they can keep it frozen on that field with as as hot as Kenneth Walker's feet can get because the guy just has that zero to 60 speed that very few backs have. He, to me, is the biggest factor here. We talked. We started off the offensive line against the Kansas City's defensive line. I think that if, if Seattle is unable to run the football more effectively than they did against San Francisco, then we're going to wind up seeing a very similar result. Yeah, I would agree with you. And I think the one thing that is worth noting here, and Ken Walker III does not practice the first two practices this week. What I've gathered is they're resting him more than anything. I expect that he's going to play in this game. They wouldn't have released Tony Jones Jr. if they had concerns about the availability of Ken Walker III playing on Saturday. I think he's going to be ready to go, but they're being cautious with that ankle, not overloading him. He's going to need a lot of carries this weekend, and so I think they want to make sure that his body is fresh. But this is the other thing that's worth noting. Kansas City recently has had a lot of issues defending the middle of the field. The linebackers have been getting attacked. The Texans had some success doing that last weekend. No offense to the Texans, but they don't have the weapons, anywhere close to the weapons the Seahawks have, even without Tyler Lockett. The Seahawks have a lot more viable skill players for Geno Smith to throw the football to. And I think Ken Walker III, one of the underrated parts of his game is his receiving attributes. We saw that 33-yard catch and run against the 49ers on their only touchdown drive. This team is second in most receiving yards allowed to running backs. They're also in the top three for most receptions allowed to running backs this year. And teams have been able to attack the middle of the field to their running backs with a lot of success. So if Shane Waldron is game planning the way that he needs to in this game, Ken Walker III should not only be a focal point on the ground, but when he's in the game and passing situations, you should be looking to take advantage of that aggressive Chiefs pass rush and get your running backs involved in the passing game. Loft it off to him and let him make some yards after the catch. The Chiefs have had trouble with that. So that might be an area where the Seahawks can have a little bit of an advantage in this one if they're able to get the football to their running backs. And I'm going to include Travis Homer. And if DJ Dallas is healthy for this game, he was limited on Wednesday. That's a good step forward. All three of these guys have soft hands and can catch the football. Just make sure you don't fumble this time. But all three of these guys can catch the ball. And this is a Chiefs defense that's had major issues defending running backs as receivers. And you, of course, want to play keep away from Patrick Mahomes, which is the most critical part uh, of this game. And so, yes, I would be very surprised if Seattle does not try to, um, you know, include their running backs in every fashion they possibly can. Those short dink and dunk type of drives that are going to eat up some clock, allow your defense to kind of get stay warm, of course, but also, uh, you know, because the, the, the easiest way to lose this football game is to get down early and then just to completely abandon your running game and then allow Kansas City just to continue to mash you on uh, the opposite way, the way that, again, San Francisco did twice now. And I'm just going to throw this in here real quick. Run the ball from under center, Shane Waldron. They had two runs under center against the 49ers. They ran five plays under center the entire game. That is not going to cut it. You need to have a balanced offense from a formational perspective, too. The run game is so much harder to defend from under center because the running back can go either way. Out of shotgun, it's pretty easy to know where the running back is going to go because they're on one side or the other of the quarterback, and you can run counters the opposite direction, but it's not smooth. 
like it is when you're under center. And it really complicates things for the defense. So I was shocked they only did that twice. And oh, by the way, they had 20 rushing yards on those two runs. So get under center and run the football that way in this game. They absolutely have got to do that. Stop being gun-centric, a gun-dimensional offense. That ain't working. Get some UC in there and run under center. So we'll see if they do that. Up next, we're going to switch gears. Seahawks on defense. The defense made a bit of an improvement against the 49ers, but not enough to get the victory last Thursday. Can they keep taking baby steps forward against an explosive Chiefs offense? We'll look at three key matchups to watch on that side of the football. Up next here on Locked on Seahawks. Today's podcast is brought to you by Total Wine and More this holiday season. Find what you love at Total Wine and More with so many great bottles to choose from. It's easy to find a new favorite single barrel bourbon or the perfect gift for everyone on your list with some help from a friendly guide, all with the confidence of knowing you found something special for the lowest price. Find what you love, love what you find only at Total Wine and More. They offer curbside pickup and delivery in most areas. Visit TotalWine.com to learn more spirits not sold in Virginia and North Carolina. Drink responsibly and, of course, be 21. You're listening to Matchup Wednesday here on Locked On Seahawks. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And a special welcome to our first-time listeners, whether you're a Seahawks fan or I know we got some Chiefs fans listening in as well. Thanks for tuning in. We appreciate your support of the show. Let's continue our matchups, Rob. Let's get to the Seahawks on defense going up against a high-powered Kansas City offense. And I will say this. Last couple games, the Chiefs have not been quite as explosive as we've typically seen from them. There are still signs at times that they're missing Tyreek Hill, who is blowing up in Miami right now. But they still have number 87, the security blanket of all security blankets, the best tight end in the NFL, Travis Kelsey. And I think we got to circle him as priority one, two, and three to stop or at least try to stop for the Seattle Seahawks. Good luck with that one as he is putting up massive numbers once again, leading this Chiefs offense. He's got 12 touchdowns. I mean, that it's just, you know, eye-popping statistic right there. Um, you just look at his numbers. Uh, again, for those of you on YouTube, um, 12 touchdowns, 1,144 receiving yards on 91 grabs this season. He leads the NFL tight ends in all of those categories, Corbin. He leads most pass catchers in most of those categories. He's absolutely spectacular. You know, as the – a uh, longtime announcer and, and still uh, radio personality, Dan Patrick, uh, used to say you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. I think the Seahawks have to kind of just know that they are going to probably give up six, seven, eight catches to Travis Kelsey, probably going to be pushing around 100 yards. You just got to try and eliminate those scores. Um, you know, and obviously that has been something that has been a huge bugaboo for Seattle defending the tight end for basically the entire time that Pete Carroll has been here. It's just the way that his defense is set up. I do think that Seattle is a little bit better situated to try and slow down tight ends, considering the safeties that they have. And Ryan Neal, former cornerback, has those long arms. Uh, and obviously Quandre Diggs has shown his playmaking ability. And then one of the players that we've talked about a lot, Tariq Wollin, with his length and his ability to kind of see what's going on and be able to improvise and drop off his initial responsibility and get back just because he is as long and as fast as he is, then I think this is going to be a fascinating one. I mean, as, as brilliant as Patrick Mahomes is, 
he is willing to do the unconventional. That's one of the things that makes him brilliant, but also makes him a gunslinger that you can beat every now and then. And so this is, to me, the biggest matchup is that you know that Travis Kelsey is going to get you sometimes, but can you stop him from absolutely taking over the football game? I have similar concerns, again, about Chris Jones on the defensive line. But if you can, I do think there's going to be some opportunities perhaps steal an interception for Patrick Mahomes uh, or get Travis Kelsey, who's kind of known for being a hothead, you know, keep messing with them after the catch a little bit. See if you can kind of get them off their game a little bit. If not, if they're not able to disrupt this dynamic duo that Kansas City has, and I really think it could be a very long Christmas Eve for the Seahawks. Yeah, and I think you look at Kelsey, he's now 33 years old. I don't know that he moves quite as well as he did two or three years ago, but what makes him so special is his route running and his instincts, his ability to find holes in the defense. I don't know that I've ever seen a tight end that's as gifted at that as what Kelsey is, and that just creates all kinds of problems. And when you consider the uh, coverage bust that the Seahawks have dealt with on and off all season, that is the defense that Travis Kelsey's just licking his lips about because he is going to be able to take advantage of those situations if you don't handle your assignments. And so again, he's priority one, two, and three. He is the complete package at tight end, already a first ballot tight end, in my opinion. He's been that dominant, showing no signs of slowing down. So that is going to be a problem for the Seahawks. On the outside, I mentioned this earlier, there's no Tyreek Hill, so you don't have to worry about him. But that does not mean that Patrick Mahomes does not have weapons. In fact, I think he's got a very nice stable of receivers, and we can rip off all these names here. McCole Hardman is expected to come off of injured reserve this week, so you're going to get another guy with dynamic 4-3 speed that can take the top off of defense. He had four touchdowns before he went down with an injury earlier this year. Is a guy that can get over the top on a defense. He can beat you after the catch with his speed, can play from the outside in the slot. That could be a problem for the Seahawks with their slot corner situation. Kobe Bryant has had a good year, but not the greatest athlete in terms of pure speed. If McCole Hardman's in the slot, that could be a problem. They also have Kadarius Toney, who they acquired from the Giants, former first-round pick, that's a dynamic athlete as well. And Andy Reid has already found some ways when Tony's been healthy to get the football in his hands, whether it's on jet sweeps, quick screens, getting the ball to him downfield. And he's made some big plays happen. You've got Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scantling as well. This receiving course, Sky Moore, another guy that can run jet sweeps. I mean, they've got a nice stable of receivers, and they're actually going to have all of those players available this week, most likely. So Seattle's going to have to deal with a receiving core that might not have a superstar, but they got some really good players, a couple of young guys that have a chance to be really darn good receivers that already are making contributions for the Chiefs. They're scary. That's the thing is, uh, you know, as you mentioned, Corbin, I mean, Tyreek Hill is just a different level and he's an absolutely unbelievable talent. But at the same time, Kansas City, because they have the brilliant quarterback, they because they have a tight end that no one can cover, then it makes it really difficult to give anything other than just one-on-one coverage to these wide receivers. And you got guys who can just absolutely tear their way down the field. I mean, all of the players that you just mentioned, with the exception of Juju Smith-Schuster, are all 4-4 four, four guys at worst. 
And then you got Juju, who is basically another tight end. I mean, he is just as physical um, as the receiver position gets. And so he is like the perfect change up to all of those fastballs out there, yeah. um, you know, with the way that they've they've created their offense. And so I, I think that, you know, Pete Carroll kind of talked about it, like when they, they asked about the weather and how much of a challenge it would be. And he said that, you know, the cold is what it is, but the wind he thought could be a factor. I think he's hoping it's a factor because <laughs> if the Chiefs are going to just throw the ball around, and I think that they're going to be able to run the ball in Seattle because everybody's been able to run the ball in Seattle. But the, if the Chiefs are able to throw the ball the way that Patrick Mahomes can, then I, this could be a laugher. Um, you know, and so I think that you're going to see Pete Carroll. If everybody else is going to be kind of blowing air into their hands because they're cold. I think Pete Carroll might be just trying to push some air onto the field just to create that much more wind gust to hopefully convince Andy Reid just to run the ball rather than allowing Patrick Mahomes to just pierce the air with his, uh, his throwing acumen. And I don't know if Pete Carroll's going to do that because daring the opponent to run the ball this year might not necessarily be a sound strategy. So it's kind of one of those double-edged swords. But, yeah, this is a very talented receiving core that's got some young guys. I think Sky Moore is going to be a very good player. He's still growing as a rookie. They've got a couple other players like Valdez Scantling who caught passes from Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and now his speed has been an asset for this offense as well. Again, they haven't had all five of these top receivers together in the same game, they have a very good chance to do that with McCole Hardman coming off injured reserve this week. They're going to have their full array of weapons, including Travis Kelsey as well. That is worrisome for the Seahawks defense going into this game, even if the elements may make it a little tougher to throw the football. And last but not least, we've talked about the trenches earlier from Seattle's offensive perspective. I do think the Seahawks could have one advantage going into this football game. The Chiefs tackles have not been great this year. And I think that's one of the things that has kind of plateaued this offense for a good chunk of the season where they've showed moments where they've been really good. And then there have been games like the Texans get to the used to offensively. And some of it's been because of those tackles. Orlando Brown Jr. has given up 43 pressures this year. That's that's a lot of pressures, even in the number of games that have been played so far. And Andrew Wiley, their other tackle, has more than 40 pressures allowed and has given up seven sacks. And so I view this as a game. Achenna Nuosu knows these guys extremely well. He used to play the Chiefs twice a year, playing for the Chargers. He's going to be fired up to play a former division foe that he knows really well. He knows how to get after Patrick Mahomes as well. So there's an advantage for him there going against two tackles that have been playing average football at best this year in pass protection. And Daryl Taylor, can you have a consistent game where you're able to get four or five promising rushes? We haven't seen a game like that. There have been spurts where he's able to get to the quarterback and get a strip sack, but then you don't see him for six quarters. Can you get consistent production from him, consistent pressure off the edge against tackles that have been giving up quite a few pressures this year? If they can get some solid productivity from their entire rotation of pass rushers off the edge, Patrick Mahomes has had guys get after him a little bit in recent weeks, and that is obviously a kryptonite for any quarterback. That's a way that you can get to Patrick Mahomes and maybe force him into one of those gunslinger throws that leads to a turnover. The Chiefs have had at least one turnover in nine straight games, so this is an offense that has been more than charitable when it comes to turnovers. Get some pressure off the edge. You might just be able to get one or two of those from the Chiefs in this game, and that is crucial if they want to have a chance to pull the upset 
on the road in freezing temperatures. I, I like that you mentioned Nuosu, um, you know, just and just the the divisional uh, familiarity. I think that's big. I think Shel- Shelby Harris, same kind of thing. Um, yep. And I, I think that um, that it's, it's makes a lot of sense to focus in on Kansas City's offensive tackle. Statistically, they've been beaten a lot, and I think also their interior is just so darn strong that by comparison that the offensive tackles, you know, get themselves in trouble a little bit. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, uh, Boye Mafe, I think the rookie, you know, I, I've been encouraged by what we've seen from him. He, of course, has some cold uh, cold game experience as well. Um, I'm curious to see what happens um, in, in the inside defense tackle situation. Is, is Seattle going to move Puna forward there and he's going to be your nose tackle? And then if that's the case, then Creed Humphrey, as good as he is, then he's going to be going up against a different type of a guy um, in, in Puna Ford and his quickness as well as Miles Adams. So to me, that entire defensive line has got to be able to create some pressure, whether it be on the outside as we kind of focused on here or it be in the inside. You just got to get Patrick Mahomes moving his feet and possibly creating some, uh, you know, some of those improvisational plays that can result in interceptions, as you mentioned. That to me is the key to this game, as it is in most games. I don't want to sound too cliche here, but you got to protect the football. And anytime it's as cold as it's expected to be, then turnovers, obviously, the ability to get a quick score can change the game so, so, so quickly. So to me, that's really what this game is going to come down to is just protecting the football on both sides of the ball. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked on Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're streaming five days a week on YouTube as well. Coming up tomorrow, crossover Thursday, I'll be joining Locked on Chiefs to continue breaking down this upcoming Christmas Eve matchup between the Seahawks and the Chiefs. And then coming up on Friday, Blue Friday returns in normal fashion. We'll be diving into keys to victory, our X factors and predictions. So you won't want to miss those next couple episodes coming up later this week. Make sure to check us out on YouTube and all of our other places where you can download our podcast. As always, thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Go Hawks.